0: This is The Fit Mess, conversations with world-class experts in the fields of mental, physical, and emotional health. In this episode- Looking at blood sugar regulation in people with depression and anxiety, and it's it's so easy. There's so many things we can do that are so easy to help people that we just don't. Now here are your hosts, Zach and Jeremy.
1: Something you hear a lot about in the self-development world is biohacking, but what is it really? Sometimes it's as easy as just changing part of your routine just to see how it makes you feel. This week, we learn and share some incredibly simple tips that may make a big difference in the way you feel and function. Our guest is Dr. Tara Sell. She is a psychotherapist and a brain health expert. All right, well, I'm excited to share this interview this week, Zach, because we talk all the time about essentially biohacking, and that's a term that I've never liked because I feel like it it complicates the uh, the concept of basically just taking care of yourself, trying things and, and seeing what works. I get why it's popular. I get why it works. But the thing I'm excited about with this interview is that there are some really simple things you can do to improve your mental health, your brain health, and your physical health. And you don't have to have a lot of crazy restrictions and a lot of crazy rules.
2: I think I've said this before, but I, you know, I don't like the word biohacking either, mostly because hacking in the you know, traditional sense of it is making something do something it shouldn't do. Right. Whereas what we're doing is, is encouraging the body to keep doing what it's supposed to do with, with some help. So I don't, I don't like that word either, but it's, you know, it's what all the cool kids are saying. So I guess we got to use it. And
1: you know, when you hear it, you know exactly what it means. uh, And it's what we encourage here. We encourage you every week to try something, try something new, try something different, And pay attention to what it does to your health, whether that's what, if you're working on your mental health, your physical health, whatever it is. And there are some nuggets in this interview that you're about to hear that are shocking, are going to terrify you to your core. They did for me. It terrified me as well. I immediately implemented them and overnight saw huge differences. So I can't wait to share those with you.
2: What I really liked about this this interview was a tip that she was giving us something that I naturally fell into, and we'll hear about that in a minute. But it was so heartening to hear something I'm actually doing is something that she recommends.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, that that is interesting. And even since last week, you know, I, I feel like this conversation is a natural spinoff from the last conversation that we had. But. I have been sort of looking at what am I doing every day to the things that I'm doing. We talked last week about all the things that uh, have stuck with me over the the many years that I've been on this path and the many things that have ended up in the garbage. And so I've been taking a closer look every day at, at what I'm doing really out of habit at this point without a lot of intention. And today is one of them. Just uh, One of the guests that we had on the show several weeks ago was uh, Brooke Alpert with uh, Daily Habit CBD. I've been having that in my coffee almost every day. And I I've had one near encounter with a depressive episode, which is far fewer than I used to before implementing a lot of these changes. But the one run-in that I did almost have, I used another tool from our playbook here, from another interview we did. I went and jumped in a cold lake for half an hour. And that cold, within a minute, I felt my body relax. I felt a lot of the, the stuff in my head sort of unravel. I came back to my house uh, from the lake, just at peace and relaxed. And so it's, you know, again, we preach, pay attention to how your body responds to the things you try. And the more I've done that really just even since the last interview that we did last week, I've noticed that those tools and those tricks are helping me in ways that I sort of forget because it's become habit.
2: Yeah. You don't always notice right away that something has made a difference. You don't know. It's not, you know, earth shattering, and sometimes it takes a little while to get used to, but for me, boy, I really pay, I really pay attention and find out when I stop doing whatever yeah. it is, right. That's when I really know that, that it was working. It was having an impact. It was keeping me stable. And in my case, I stopped three or four things at the yeah. same time. Which one was it? Which one do I start again? Oh, I guess I'll just have to start all three of them.
1: It's it's a house of cards for me. If I, if I stop any one of them, the rest of them collapse, and then it's you know back to square one and, and time to rebuild the the house of cards. So, all
2: right. Well, I don't want to I don't want to keep us talking any longer. I want to get into the interview because it was really it was good. really
1: good. Our guest is Dr. Terilyn Sell. She is a psychologist with a, an emphasis on brain health, and she's also the author of Kick Off Your Damn Heels: How to Quit Anxiety and Live a Badass Life. Fascinating conversation with so many very actionable steps that we're about to share with you. And it began with what set her on a path to wanting to help others.
0: You know, I I wish that I had like the world's craziest story or the best story about how I became a therapist. Um, but honest to God, I've been a business owner my entire life, and I was a daycare owner for my kids. And I knew that my kids were gonna be, you know, graduating out of the daycares that we had owned. We had three of them. And I thought, what's my next move? What am I, what am I going to do? And I really enjoyed still helping people wanting to feel part of, you know, community and making things better. And I I was like, I'm going to become a therapist, (laughs) you know? And it was, it was the weirdest thing. And it was, I, this is probably my third career in my life. Like, I I constantly morph myself. This is it, though. This is like this is <laughs> me floating into retirement now. But um, the morphing into you know from psychology, like standard psychology, to brain health, that was a more profound move for me mm-hmm. than just becoming a therapist. Because you know when you're a young therapist, it's all about the books and it's all about that. And then all of a sudden you have these experiences and you're like, wait a minute. Some things aren't just like standard operating procedure. Like, why are people feeling worse and worse? You know, but they're on medication, they're seeing therapists. Like, why? So, I really started digging into the why and the what now. And that was about six years ago. And that was a time in my life that I was struggling with my own anxiety. That's when my stuff came in. I was like, okay if I'm struggling with anxiety, type A driven person, then how many other women are? And they were showing up on my couch the same way. And I was like, all right, I got to do something about it. So that's when I started studying, you know, neurotransmitters and brain and nutrition and how these other things play a big role and decided as a traditional therapist, I was really missing the mark.
1: As a traditional therapist, how did you make the connection that it was a brain health uh, thing and not more of a societal impact thing?
0: Well, it's both. I mean, it's not—it's not just one thing. It's the constellation of things. But this is where my story gets weird. So, I I worked in the prison for a while, um, as a new therapist, because you know all therapists need some licensure hours, and that was the place that (laughs) offered it up to me. And I was like, "All right, I'll do it." Best experience of my life. Most extreme experience of my life. You know, you come into private practice, and people are like. Oh, I'm probably going to be the hardest client you've ever talked to. I'm like, ha, 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 you have no idea. You have none, right. none, none, none. But I distinctly remember, um, I was, my position was psychological associate. And I distinctly re- remember being a psych associate. And, um, I was doing a lot of research at that time. I was in my dissertation process and all these things. And so I had tons of research at my fingertips and I saw a research article about omega-3 fatty acids and aggression in inmates. And I thought, I have stumbled upon something here because we were trying to figure out why a particular inmate was always fighting and things like that. And to be honest, inmates don't have a whole lot of of, um, options when it comes to food. Like for extra protein, they would order peanut butter, you Mm -hmm. know, like that's how they got their extra protein sources. It's really kind of dismal if you ask me. But anyway, so I came across this research article that said that they did a study and omega-3 fatty acids actually reduced the amount of times inmates went into segregation for fighting. And I was like, this is fascinating. So you know, as a new therapist, I print it out and I take it to a treatment planning meeting and I was met with the worst resistance of my life. and I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just put this back in the folder and I'll just go back, you know <laughs> And I to this day I remember that because I'm like, yeah, you guys missed out like you, they were so medication focused, you know? And I think because nutrition was something that they couldn't really change Mm -hmm. that, you know, including more fish and things like that in a diet or even prescribing omega-3s just wasn't going to happen. So I think it it wasn't for lack of maybe not wanting, but I think resources were so slim that they couldn't follow through with something like that. But that was my first, you know, silly little research article. But from that point, I just kept going forward and looking at blood sugar regulation in people with depression and anxiety. And it's, it's, it's so easy. There's so many things we can do that are so easy to help people that we just don't. And so many therapists don't even talk about food because there's such a, well, you're not a dietitian, You're not this, you're not that. You don't have to be a dietitian to talk about, you know, sugar or blood sugar or caffeine, you know, things like that.
2: So can we dive in a little bit more into that? I I have a lot of experience trying medications to manage anxiety and depression over the years, and I have never felt as good as I do feel when I'm eating the things that I know are good for me and I'm exercising regularly. Yeah. I mean, who knew eating right and exercising regularly is
0: what you know right. kind of the
2: answer? So tell me more about that. Like, what kinds of food should we be eating? What kind of food should we be avoiding? And and how do we tailor that to our individual selves. Say more about all of that. So
0: what I know is this, like when I bring up food with mental health, the, the deep amount of struggle that people have, they're like, yeah, right. Now you're expecting me to go out and change everything about how I eat. You know, when I feel like garbage, anyway, I have no motivation to exercise. They have no motivation to eat better. So my philosophy is this, like start very small right? So start small. One of the first things to do, like if you have that depressive energy, um, especially in the morning time, things like that is delay caffeine. I say delay because I'll get resistance on people wanting to eliminate caffeine. Yeah, you just terrified
1: me. You just shocked me to (laughs) my core.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Somebody, so I'm on TikTok too, and I get funny people commenting, and I just did a video about delaying caffeine, and they're like, ha ha, what are you smoking? Yeah, you know, and yeah, I was like, exactly. <laughs> you know, nothing, but really delaying <laughs> caffeine might help. Well, um, I
2: can, I can actually speak to that. Yeah. So I have been for the last three years waking up and going right to the coffee pot. And mm-hmm. over the last two months, I've been doing early morning CrossFit and yoga instead. Yeah. And rather than, you know, drinking coffee, which has a whole bunch of effects on my body that I don't want to come out when I'm doing yoga and CrossFit, right? I've I've been skipping the coffee, doing the workout and then drinking the coffee afterwards. And I actually am just now putting it together that since I've been doing that, I feel so much better in the morning.
0: Yeah. So I mean, coffee has this way of dampening our adrenals and our adrenals are what gives us energy. And your cortisol is supposed to be the highest when you wake up. But if you're constantly throwing stimulants, caffeine, things like that on them, they don't wake up. So when you wake up in the morning, that's the first thing you do is like slamming coffee. You know, you are falsely providing yourself energy. You know, you're not allowing your body to physiological, physiologically do the job for you. You know, mm-hmm. so that would be one thing. And I tell people this, like replace it with, you don't have to do high intensive cardio or whatever, but replace it with three minutes of jumping jacks instead within the first 10 minutes of waking up, you're going to get that energy. Wow. Or if you can't do jumping jack squats, marching around the house, waving your arms in the air, I don't care what you do. Just do it for a couple of minutes. Um, Because if I ask somebody to go full on into a, you know, big physical program or go to the gym or make these huge changes. Nobody's going to do it because they're in the state of, you know, Mm -hmm. and complete stress right now too.
1: So not to put too much of a, of an emphasis on this, because again, I'm terrified by the notion of delaying my coffee. Am, Am I just delaying until after those jumping jacks or do I have to wait till like noon?
0: I mean, the object is two hours, two
1: hours. Okay. I mean, that,
0: that's like the goal. But I, you know, I'm like, start with 15 <laughs> minutes, like just do something different than you're doing right now. Yeah. Right. And if you can't hit the two hour mark, so be it. Sure. If you only hit the hour, hour and a half mark, you're doing great. You know, two, two hours would be gold standard. Well, nothing would be gold standard, but I love coffee too. So it's kind of a treat, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to eliminate everything that I enjoy either, <laughs> you know? but start doing that just pulling it back by increments of 15 and see how you feel. Because if you go into it and you pull it all out for two out, you're going to feel like garbage. You're, you're going to feel fatigued and headachey and things like that. And you'll be like, she's nuts. I'm not getting rid of my coffee. You know, <laughs> the, the other thing we hear a lot
1: from various diet books and, and dietitians and all this is there's always a list of here's the 37 vegetables you should be eating and the 45 fruits and these meats and and then, you know, if you're like me, you don't know how to cook anything without a, a very strict guy. Oh, yeah. And
0: I hate it. I absolutely hate it. So what
1: is yeah. just something, you know, uh, I've been banging my head against the wall. I don't know how to eat right. Don't know how to get things on track. What what are like three things I can do today to set me up to keep going on improving my diet?
0: Okay. So the first one is super easy. It's just protein. So improving your protein intake throughout the day. You'd be surprised at how little protein people eat. Number one, protein fuels your brain chemistry. So protein fuels your serotonin, your dopamine, your adrenaline system, all that, that is a basic fuel on the top of the, the neurotransmitter chain. So that'll do that. Number two, it'll stabilize your blood sugar. Now, if blood sugar is unstable, that's a stress response. We don't need any more stress responses in our bodies, you know, and uh, number two, like, you know, when you're in low blood sugar, you feel kind of right? You feel kind of shitty. And if you're in high blood sugar, you might feel kind of jittery. So a lot of people with anxiety, actually, when especially anxiety, when I stabilize blood sugar, like eat protein every two to three hours, just a little something, it doesn't mean you have to eat an entire chicken, you know, just a little something will do the trick to stabilize it. They're like, my, my anxiety is so reduced. I'm like, right now we can get to the real anxiety you know, now we're just not having physiological responses. We are now, we can uncover why you have anxiety in the first place.
1: And what is the general rule for the amount of protein? I've always heard so much per body. I
0: have no rules,
1: no rules,
0: no rules, because most people that's gold standard. Again, most people are just like, improve it a little bit. Okay. Every two to three hours, take in a little bit of protein. That is it. Interesting. Um, I, I hate rules like that because they feel like Weird diets and you know, all everyone wants to box things in like yes. that. And I'm like, no, I'm just asking you to do a little bit different. That's it. And you're gonna find benefit from just doing a little bit different. Okay. Without without rules and weight and blah measures sure. and
2: all that stuff. Sure. Just that, a little different. That makes sense. I I <laughs> I consistently, you know, get frustrated and say, okay. Tomorrow I'm going to start tracking all my, my macros. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat specific this. And then my wife is like, why don't you just stop eating ice cream every night?
0: (laughs) 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 Well, okay. I want to say this for one second too, because you hit on something that's pretty major when it comes to sleep. If you eat sugary foods, carb loaded foods before bed, your sleep is going to be awful. You will wake Mm -hmm. up at two o'clock in the morning. Because eventually your blood sugar is going to spike and fall and now adrenaline is going to kick in and it doesn't matter if it's one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. all of that because of that bowl of ice cream before bed, you know, or glass of alcohol or, you know, alcohol is terrible before. Yes. Bed, but yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Zach and I have both been off the booze for a few years. Um, we're, we're also big fans of fasting. We How? between 12 and 16 hours, where, where do you come down on fasting?
0: Um, good for some, not good for all. Okay. That's where I come. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to here. I mean, if you're coming into my office, you have to understand the people that come in are struggling pretty good. Yeah. So they're already not eating and fasting. Sure, right. Sure. So, but the hard part about all of these diets that we're talking about fasting and things like that, we have such a strong diet culture, weight loss culture, that if I tell you to eat more protein, especially with women, what's the first thing they're going to say? Will I gain weight? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, we've traded off mental health for weight loss all the time. And I'm like, you probably will not. It'll be fine. Let's just stabilize you and see where you're at when we're done. Like, give it a try. You know, put down the bowl of ice cream before bed, see if it helps <laughs> your sleep. You know? you know, protein every two, three hours, the little bits isn't going to cause weight gain. You know, so, now, so big, big bits might, you know. <laughs>
2: sure. Right. So, what you're saying is, I can eat ice cream in the morning. Instead, and that's okay.
0: (laughs) If you throw in a little bit of protein to help stabilize (laughs) that, or a little fiber, then maybe you're good. Yeah. All right. I'm just kidding. You know, we have to live life too, and food is out there as as a point of pleasure. So we can't just eliminate pleasure from our life for something else, like you know. So if you like that ice cream, and I love ice cream, Mm -hmm. who doesn't? Just eat it at the time that's not going to interfere with your life. We'll say that.
2: All right. So what, what else, you know, from a food perspective, I, I just, I love hearing this perspective. I I think a lot of people that we talk to it's like Jeremy said, it's eat this, eat these foods, do these things explicitly Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and you'll be better, but your approach is very, very different. So what, what are some of the other improvements or slight changes people can make?
0: So we've talked about caffeine. We've talked a little bit about protein. Um, You know, one easy thing. And I also said, I hate to cook. Like I am not a cook. I hate it. Um, but leafy greens, Mm -hmm. um, I love leafy greens. They're, they're chock full of nutrients. Um, they're very good for you. And so literally I've been trying to do more with leafy greens and I go to our grocery stores called festival foods, like the big one that's got the best produce in it. You know, I will literally look at all the leafy greens and just be like, I have no idea what bok choy is, but I'm going to go ahead and grab some of that yeah. and saute it in a pan and see what happens, you know, right. and it's actually pretty good. So, or you can throw it in the blender. You can make smoothie. It's, it's a pretty versatile thing, not just bok choy, but leafy greens in general. So find some leafy green that you like and just start experimenting with how to use it and look beyond like a salad with dressing. Cause that's boring. You know, nobody wants to keep eating cold salads with dressing right, you know right. don't be afraid to grab leafy greens and just eat them figure out what to do with them search the internet for an easy recipe but leafy greens are probably one of the easiest vegetables to throw into your diet in my opinion
1: yeah what are the things that uh that i've been wrestling with actually the last few days and it's trying to box in i, mm-hmm. I keep hearing all these people drinking a, a gallon of water a day and so i've been trying to re- drink oh, a gallon of like water this? a day yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: So I've been filling this thing up four times a day, pounding yeah. it, and then I'm in the bathroom yeah. every six seconds.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. So
1: does, does that stabilize? Like if, if somebody does decide water's the missing ingredient, because so many of us are dehydrated, because all we do is drink coffee all day, <laughs> is, there, is there an amount? Is it just more? Will our body adapt as we increase water, that sort of thing?
0: Well, again, look at what you're already doing. Or look at what you're not doing. I think we don't know how, dehydrate, how dehydrated we are until we know how dehydrated we are. So if I start drinking water, more water than usual, I'll I'll feel drier if I don't have that same amount. You do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like once you start drinking, but if you're not a water drinker, you don't notice. The dehydration as much, you know, until you start hydrating yourself and then, then you're not, um, what is the rule of thumb? Um, take your body weight in half and that's how many ounces that you need to drink. Is that the, and I believe it's two, two more additional cups for every cup of caffeine you have. I think that's the, the rule of thumb. But again, I think the rule of thumb is look at what you're doing now. And, do better. and improve on it, Yeah, you know, a cup a day and just keep going up from there. Yeah. Again, if you're, I'm a huge water drinker anyway, I bought this because I thought it was fun. <laughs> that's, that's it's ridiculous. Huge, yeah. It's like the most ridiculous, but I'm in like this weird, so it has like times on the side that oh, I yeah. should have. I'm in a weird competition with my water bottle daily. <laughs> like I have to beat the water bottle, <laughs> but you know whatever works for totally. you, right? That's so funny. <laughs> so I get it in most days. I do get it in, but you know by seven p.m. I'm like almost finished. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nine p.m. I'm like if I drink water till nine p.m. I'm going to be up all night in the bathroom. Yep. You know, absolutely. so you have to kind of like turn that off when when it's right for you. But yeah. I'm, I'm more about like, it this This sounds cliche, but really intuitively tuning in, you know, knowing what you need as a person, what makes you feel good. I think most people intuitively know that when you eat a lot of sugars or um, processed foods that you don't feel as good as you do when you eat better food. I think most people know that, but pulling yourself out of that is the difficult part because psychologically- you know, we have, you know, what is it? Angel, devil, good cop, bad cop on your shoulder, whatever, telling you that um, it's just easier. Like this is just easier to do this prepackaged food than it is to grab, you know, bok choy off the, off the thing and not not know what to do with it. You know, I, I have this example, this, (laughs) this is so silly, but it is a great example. Cliff bars, Years ago, I, my addiction was cliff bars. I was like, Oh, cliff bars are so good. I'm like, they're not good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, cliff anyway. um, But I would literally be like, I need some fruit and there'd be bananas on the counter. And I'd be like, but I really want a cliff bar. Like I really, I wanted the sugar. Right. Which told me I really needed to stabilize my blood sugar anyway. But my devil, bad cop on my shoulder, whatever was saying, it's just easier to get a cliff bar. Mm -hmm. So I'd go get the cliff bar out of the cabinet. It is the same mechanism of action to open a cliff bar with a wrapper as it is a banana, (laughs) but in my brain, it was easier. Totally. Yeah. (sighs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What, (laughs) you know, I mean, this is, this is the warfare that we play all the time. Uh,
1: Get out out of my kitchen. You're, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the, I do literally, literally my kids, we the have these, uh, the Z bars for the kids and oh, yeah. they they are crack. They are just, they they're are crack. so they're, they're they're, crack. I, like yes. they're cookies. They're not healthy they by any means. Yeah. Uh, and
0: the ins- I mean, sugar, wanting sugar is a real thing. Like desiring sugar is a real thing. So you're going to pick the sugar, most sugary thing. If you have a choice, of course likely mm-hmm. it's a dopamine rush. We love dopamine.
2: Of course. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do.
0: Yeah, I do too. Who doesn't love dopamine?
2: <laughs> I know, um, you gotta bottle that stuff. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I do actually.
2: <laughs> Funny,
1: I
0: should mention it. Funny, <laughs> you should say. <laughs> well,
2: interesting. Why don't let's say more about that? I'd like to hear oh, more about that.
0: You see the bottles behind me? <laughs> I, do. I do. I was like going to can... ask about them. <laughs> it's like bottled uh, dopamine back here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so. Because I do brain health and I happen to stumble across amino acids and most people know amino acids, like, um, bodybuilders know amino acids a lot. Like they go to, you know, the big box retailers where you get all your supplements from, and there's amino acids like glutamine, tyrosine, all that for bodybuilding. So we can take some cues from the bodybuilding community in, in some respects because they know how to use amino acids to build muscle, right? But it also builds motivation and energy and things like that. So, like tyrosine is a, an amino acid that helps to build dopamine, um, your dopamine pathway. So, your dopamine, your adrenaline, your noradrenaline that's tyrosine. So, um, what I've done is I've partnered with a wonderful lab and I have my own products now that are called Pro Recovery RX. And initially, when we did Pro Recovery RX, you can see this red box right there. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually formulated, uh, Red Label was our very first product, and it's in packets, right? But this is designed for people in opiate recovery. Oh, So to rebuild their dopamine pathway, and it is a fantastic product. And it's like, it's my baby. It's like my crown jewel. I was like, this is so good. This mm-hmm. is so good. But then people wanted bottles too. So I'm like, okay, we'll do that too. But this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But I found that a lot of people, not just people in recovery from opiates, um, really love the benefit of red label, like people with ADHD or people who have just like this fatiguey, ugh, you know, low energy, red labels. Great.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might have to try that.
0: You might have to try that or I could yes. hook you up with one of the other ones, too. And then you can build on that. You there know? we
1: go. <laughs> I'd be open to it.
0: Yes. Yes. Pro recovery. RX. But I said, I wasn't going to promote anything. And now here that's we all right,
1: are. That's all right. We, here we are. I, I, I let us down that path. I'll take You're responsibility. Dead. It's my fault. <laughs> it's your fault. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned uh, taking a cue from bodybuilders and, and we haven't touched uh, much on the exercise part of this and uh, tying it all into brain health. Uh, again, th- that is something that I have been talking about for the entire time we've been doing this show is how much exercise for me has almost nothing to do with my body and everything to do with how I feel mentally and emotionally. Just, just yesterday I went for a run. I'm not a runner. I'm trying to get into it. Went for a run and I just had this emotional egg, just crack open. I can't look at where there's a bunch of stuff going on at home. We're trying to move and stuff. And just emotionally, it just busted me open. And I was just like, that's why I, I need to do this every day. Talk about why that physical action helps so much with the brain health and and the emotional health.
0: So I have a couple, I have a theory on part of it. Okay. So one of the things we know is all the feel-good chemicals that happen when you exercise, right? Endorphins, dopamine, adrenaline, all of it. And it automatically makes you feel better. The runner's high, right? Or the athlete's high or being in the zone. Like that's a real thing. That's a real chemical thing. The other piece of that is, I don't, have you guys ever heard of EMDR? Mm -hmm. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing? Yeah. So I'm big into EMDR for my um, uh, mental health practice for trauma and things. The person, Francine Shapiro, who discovered, I don't want to say invented, discovered, I don't know, EMDR. She discovered it while she was walking. Okay. So she was walking and she, she recounts it like this. I was looking my eyes side to side. If you, if the listeners don't know what EMDR is, it's basically moving your eyes back and forth. It kind of easiest way to recognize this is like uh, or to talk about is like rapid eye movement for sleep. Like when you're processing things, but the clinician usually make does something to make your eyes move back and forth. Okay. While you're reprocessing. But if you look deeper into that, the bilateral movement I think was probably more powerful for her than moving her eyes side to side. So bilateral movement, meaning walking left, right, left, right, running left, right, left, right. Right. So if you've ever gone on a walk or gone on a jog and you're like, I just got to run this out or walk this out by the time you're done running or walking, you're not thinking about the same thing you were thinking about when you first started. And I think I should probably do some research on this, but I just, you know, <laughs> Let's too shoot from lazy the hip. at this point. <laughs> I, re- I really think that it has more to do with the bilateral movement sometimes or combination of chemicals and bilateral movement at the same time to kind of process out the material that you set out to process when you started jogging, which is why I think like walking and jogging and things like that are very different for people than weightlifting, you know, or that kind of so cut. I think that's one of the reasons why cardio is so good jumping around back and forth. Think about like rocking a baby. It's one of the first things we do side to side, rock a baby for, you know, for soothing. So that's my philosophy. I don't know. If anyone wants to put it to the test, please put it to the (laughs) test. But I think that's my philosophy. So
2: I I, I tend to agree with that because whenever I go to a gym, that's more weightlifting than it is cardio. I'm, Mm -hmm not getting what I need. And I, mm-hmm. I I've never recognized it as that, but it's always I want more cardio. I want more cardio. Yeah, you crave um, it. You kind of which is, it. which is which is when when you say it out loud, it sounds ludicrous. Like I want more cardio. But
0: just say I it want more sense. bilateral stimulation. Like, that's <laughs> does that sound better. less ludicrous? I don't
1: know. It sounds a I little more sciencey. Better. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> you, you've done your research and you know this is the thing. Yes, so, exactly, yes exactly,
0: exactly. That's awesome, <laughs> but it's true. And I was going to say, so I used to be a really big runner. I was, I would run. This is not so long ago. Half marathons all the time, oh, wow. and I overdid it to the point where my knees can't do it anymore. But I don't know if you've heard about rebounding. Have you heard about no. rebounding? No. So those are those little trampolines. Right. Mm-hmm. So it takes the impact off your knees and things like that. And they're talking about how it is from the same perspective as jogging. Um, you can do it in like 10 to 15 minutes versus 30 minutes of jogging. Wow. Now, yeah, if they would just make so,
1: sidewalks out of that stuff, I, I'm in. Right.
0: For, for me, well, you if know, I do make the shoes that are like have you seen the shoes where oh, they jump yeah, around yeah, and they yeah. shoot? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. Uh
0: huh. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I have just, a rebounder in my kitchen, actually.
1: I know for me, like uh, getting outside is is like ninety percent of it. Because if I sit here in my house and try and do the thing that you know, I'm in my house all day long as it is for the last year. Where are
0: you guys from? What well, state? I, I'm, in in are you I'm in Seattle, and I'm in New York. Well, you're in New York. I'm in Wisconsin. I'm right in the middle. of You guys. Oh, there we go.
1: Yeah, you're the bridge yes. keeping us together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're just starting to like get that sunlight
1: yeah yeah know?
0: yeah it's it's been tough this has been a tough year oh my mm-hmm. god for sure for m- multitudes of reasons yes, but yeah cumulative absolutely. let's
1: wrap up with uh, any any closing thoughts you have for people that have heard this conversation what they need to know kind of moving forward and where we can learn more about you
0: you know what i want people to know is taking charge of your mental health does not have to be complicated so keep it simple start with one thing and build on that and You know, big change happens when small things move. So you can check me out at drteralyn.com or prorecoveryrx.com.
1: That was Dr. Tara Cell. All of the links that we mentioned there and information about her and her products and her book are available at our website, thefitmess.com. Just look in the show notes for this episode. Man, that tip about delaying coffee is a game changer.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't even realize I'd already been doing it. And as she was saying it, I was like, huh, now that I'm thinking about it, on those days where I delay it two hours and I go work out or do yoga, it's vastly different. And, you know, even this morning, I woke up and I went and had coffee right away and paid attention to it. I just don't feel as energized right now as I normally do at this point when I delayed my coffee game changer. And even though I had been doing it, I was like, oh, I'm already doing that. The thought of delaying my coffee, like my heart skipped a
1: beat. I mean, my reaction was my heart stopped <laughs> for a moment. I had to catch my breath. I was like, wow, huh? Because for how many years I wake up and before I do anything else, I hit the coffee maker to turn it on. But that, that terrified me to think about putting it off. And I couldn't believe really how easy it was to delay that first two hours the first time I did it and the noticeable difference. I, I used to drink coffee all day long, and now I have a couple of cups a couple of hours after I wake up, and I'm I'm just so much more even throughout the day. I don't crash at four in the afternoon. I'm not exhausted. It's so crazy what a difference it makes by just delaying it a couple hours.
2: I know. I was thinking that I would be just a poor human being for the entire world if I did that, but I'm not. It's actually working out in my favor. It's working out in humanity's favor. It's great. I do have
1: to warn any married people that may be listening that your spouse may not be on board with the two-hour delay, as I've been reminded every single day since I've been doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Other people aren't as excited about delaying their coffee two hours uh, as I am. So that's uh, that may be an obstacle that you'll run into if you decide to give this a try.
2: Well, that, that comes in with everything that you try, right? I, I know for me, every time I want to eat different, every time I want to, you know, add something to the routine, I, it's hard for me to get time on the family calendar to go have me time that's outside of my normal stuff. So anything that you do that's good for you can sometimes be troubling when you've got a spouse.
1: Even beyond that, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm unique. I don't think so. But so many times when there is something that I know I need to do, there's something I want to do. There's this other voice in my head saying, ah, it sounds like a lot of work. And it's usually something like going for a run or, or working out. And and I know every part of my body says, if you go run for 20 minutes, you will feel so much better for the rest of the day. And there's probably some baggage in there that you will release and you'll feel, you know, you'll feel 10 pounds lighter just by dealing with that. But almost simultaneously there's this thought of, yeah, but then there's Instagram. You know, uh, you can just you can just sit here and do nothing, and that that sounds pretty good too. And how about you look at
2: pictures of people running? <laughs>
1: it's like the same <laughs> yeah, thing. You burn the same amount of calories scrolling, right? So when there are other obstacles, like other people's schedules and and demands of real life, when the obstacle begins in your own head, and then the next hurdle is how this affects other people, and how this affects my time, and how this affects what I want to be doing, it is so easy. To let all of those things fall down, to, to give up on all those hacks that you've put into your life to try and, and live better. So none of this is easy, but that's what I loved about this conversation is is the idea of no rules, the idea of just do a little better than you did yesterday or do a little better than you did an hour ago, uh, whatever it is that that is so critical, especially if you are just starting out on this path or if you have fallen off the wagon on whatever thing you try to do every day, just doing a little better is such a huge reminder about creating that consistency and, and doing what you're hoping to do to accomplish those goals.
2: Yeah. And just remember, the only person you're competing against is yourself, right? It's just you. Be better than you were yesterday. Be better than you were the week before.
1: And put down the damn cliff bars. Oh,
2: they are delicious. Although the the, the, uh, the comment of the the cliff bar being the exact same level of effort to uh-huh. get it open yeah. As a banana, that like blew my mind. And then I looked at an orange and I was like, that is way, way too, too much work, work. to get yeah. into
1: an orange. No, I hate I hate way oranges for the effort. There, there, there's there's not enough juice in that squeeze to to make it worth peeling that damn thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love orange juice, but I, I, I can't eat oranges. They just take yeah. too much work.
1: And and one more thing that I wanted to point out that that she talked about that was really essential in my weight loss journey was the concept of just adding more protein. Before I did limit carbs and go a little bit more strict with the things I was uh, holding back on I worked with a nutritionist and that was the first thing they said was just up your protein. Don't worry about cutting anything cutting anything else out, don't worry about changing anything else, don't worry about working out. Just get the protein up and that will cascade into other things naturally. You will your diet will change, your body will will adapt to that. That is a huge starting point if if weight loss you know, is something you're, you're trying to accomplish. And that's what started me on a path that ended up helping me lose what was 70 pounds. It's, it's a little less now, but, uh,
2: still probably 60,
1: still probably 60 ish. So great tip there. Also, if you're, if you're taking notes at home and trying to figure out where to start on, on a wellness journey,
2: well, I think we've talked enough. Let's wrap it up here.
1: And let's do so by reminding you that if you head over to our store on our website uh, on the affiliate link there, you can find a lot of the tools that we use in our little FitMess toolkit to uh, to biohack our way to better health. Check those out. See if there's something there that you want to try. And you can always reach out and ask us, you know, what we like about any of those or reach out for any other reason. And there's all kinds of contact information on our website, the There's also links to our social media accounts where you can follow us. And of course, the newsletter where you can sign up and keep up to date with the show
2: way to make us sound lonely reach out to us for anything anything we're, we're waiting we're, 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 we're standing, just by. Waiting standing by
1: operators are standing by the phone <laughs> <laughs> always happy to hear from you guys uh in whatever way you want to reach out but for now we are going to wrap it up and we will be back next wednesday with a brand new episode and a and a uh, disney world visit recap from from zach yes which I'm, I'm extremely going, jealous uh, leaving tomorrow so angry at you because i want to go but anyways more about I will that send next you time. pictures. More more of me yelling at Zach next time at the fitmess.com. We'll see you there. See everyone.
0: We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.